Hello and welcome to Publisher Inside Out, the podcast that looks behind the scenes at children's publisher Maverick. I'm Giles Paley-Phipps and for episode five, we are here today with Kamara Nye, who is managing editor, Alison Donald, who is an author, and lurking as always in the background, I am lurking. is managing director <laughs> Steve Bicknell. Today we're going to talk a bit about narrative non-fiction, but I'd like to start off by asking Alison a little bit about how she came to be an author. Okay, thank you. Um, I've always been interested in writing, and I think a lot of writers want to write from a very young age. Um, but I work in a different career. I work in healthcare. Um, and it wasn't until after the birth of my second child that I had sort of more time to think about different career options. Um, and then I started writing, and that was mm. basically kicked off with joining the SCBWI. Um, for people who don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. Yeah. I think I got it. Yeah, <laughs> now Scooby. Scooby. Yeah. Scooby. Yes, yeah. we affectionately call it Scooby. Uh, so yes, joining Scooby um, was huge because that linked me up with other writers. Hmm. Um, and I joined a critique group. So I got lots of feedback on my work. And everything kind of snowballed from there. And how did you hear about Scooby in the first place? I found out online. Okay. So were you looking for a critique group of some sort? Yes, I was yeah. looking for sort of some help or guidance mm. on how to break into writing children's books. On a practical level, how have Scooby helped you? Um, I have to really give them credit mm. for a, most of it. I mean, you know, really it helped me find my feet. Um, and it helped me just to link up with other writers, get feedback, um, learn about publishers like Maverick, who were open to unsolicited um, submissions. Hmm. So I guess, turn to you, Kim, you use Scooby a lot. You've, you've done a lot of stuff with Scooby. Yeah, many of our authors are Scooby members. Um, and I do think that there is a sort of Scooby network out there. And a lot of authors have heard about Maverick through Scooby. And we've heard about authors through obviously other authors who are with Scooby. They did do a little article on Maverick in there because they have a they have a magazine, don't they? Mm. And yeah. they I think it was quite a few years ago. Yeah, they ago, spotlighted Maverick. They yeah. spotlighted Maverick. We nice. were very, very pleased that they did. And um, yeah. And did that open you guys up to oh, receive well, more yeah. submissions? Oh, God, even Hundreds. more. Even more. <laughs> yeah, thousands. <laughs> but what do you like about working with new authors what's the big thing about working with new authors as opposed to established ones um i think there is something special about taking a book um all the way through the stages when an author's not yet had one published there is something really ultra special about your first book being published and holding it in your hands and so being part of that process is just lovely it's living a dream isn't it I mean, really how did you is. feel when you got the book in your... Which was your first book? Uh, the New Librarian mm -hmm. was my first one. Ooh, Tell us a bit about that. What's, what's the story about? <laughs> that, <laughs> that's a little bit of a suspenseful story okay. um, about um, a librarian that goes missing mm -hmm. in a library. And a bear has taken her place. Um, and that was my first book, and it was really exciting. Uh, excellent illustrator, Alex Wilmore. And Maverick, I mean, it was such a great job was, was done on that book. Mm. Um, it just it looks great um, and uh, it was really exciting it, and it, it it was fairly successful as well yeah. it's been um, done very well yeah I'm yeah. going in obviously that was your first book How, were your expectations met in regards to what you imagined it would be like that process of having a book 
Absolutely. Yeah. Probably exceeded because, uh, you know, I was so used to sort of submitting and getting rejections and that kind of thing. So everything was just a really pleasant surprise after all that. (laughs) I think you were fortunate in having a very good first picture book. I mean, The New Librarian is a great title. It is a fantastic title. I mean, when we put it on the stand at uh, Bologna... Mm. For the first time, yeah. For the first time, we had big name rights buyers and editors from other publishers around mm-hmm. the world. Yeah. And they were straight they just around. Walking you know, past and yeah, reading the title out loud and laughing. And it was really. Well, Clarion picked it up, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the US. In the US. So yeah. And Dreamscape did a, a and short. Dreamscape, yeah. Yeah, they yeah, did a video so. on it. Yeah. Now, in more recent months, you've been writing. Non, a couple of non-fiction books for Maverick. Can you tell us a bit about those and what led you to do that? Uh, yes, I uh, noticed that there was quite a trend in the US and in England with non-fiction and I thought it was really interesting so I wanted to try it and the book that I got started with is The Spacesuit, How a Seamstress Helped Put Man on the Moon um, and really it's it's I found the true story to be much more interesting than fiction. Mm. And um, I, the story is actually about some of the seamstresses that um, made the suit for the moonwalk in 1969. Um, and I just knew that I had to tell the story. Um, so that kind of kick-started it. And then I thought, okay, I've got to pitch this story. I really want to tell this story. And that, that kind of kicked it off. I was quite amazed, because when I read this text and heard about the story that it was an untold story i couldn't believe it yeah after yeah. 50 years yeah. no one had yeah. told that story you know so had had this been the first non-fiction title yes. you'd been sent yes, as a publisher yeah. yeah i think definitely. oh we might have been sent others but it's the first one that grabbed us wasn't it yeah, yeah. it was it was very poignant at the time as well obviously and it was the, very the story... because of the 50 year celebrations mm. in, in 2019 so it yeah. made commercial sense as well, didn't mm. it? I mean, you know. But as a publisher that's never done a non-fiction picture book before, was that a big step for you guys to? Well, we think? we did it in a slightly different way than that we did what what we call anyway the narrative non-fiction. Mm. So it's still in the format of a pitch book, and it's still told as a story. So it's not completely like uh, just straightforward facts. Although the facts are embedded into the story, so obviously you do pick up a lot. So we do like try and make it feel just a bit more like special, and uh, especially with the illustrations. But then we also have like all the facts and just different timelines, and it's it's, it's a, a really book. interesting it's product. It's a book that can go on and on as well in sales. You know, because I think this could be the sort of this could be used really well in schools, couldn't it? As well, as I, an educational yeah. and entertaining book. I've had good feedback from schools on it, actually. Um, I've had year two students do a book report on it, um, and I've um, done a workshop for Key Stage Two, which mm-hmm. is kind of year five, um, but sort of sciency about making their own spacesuits and getting them in groups and doing egg drops and all kinds of things to test some of the the ways that you can create things that are, mm. that are airtight or waterproof um, and just sharing the story with them. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, but I've had, I've had some really great reactions to it in, in schools. Um, the teachers find that it touches on the curriculum, yeah. which is really yeah. nice because it's STEM mm-hmm. um, and also, you know, touching on the solar system and the moon and everything like that. So, and history. Mm. So I think there's a lot of jumping off points in the book. You can kind of just latch on to any of the facts in the back or the glossary and you can use it as a jumping off point for learning. 
I think we're in a very interesting stage um, right around the world really because everybody's been subjected to shall we say low quality trash which we have I mean you've only got to turn on the television I mean how many times do you turn change the channel because there's nothing you want to watch because it's all just you know it's it's just so low budget rubbish you know, and that's gone Just because right something's low budget doesn't mean that no, it's rubbish. Though. No, that's true. But there is a lot of <laughs> trashy stuff out there. And when you get... So in education now, I think children are looking for, for things of substance, things that really mean something mm -hmm. to them. Even six, seven-year-olds want to find out real facts, real things, mm -hmm. things that are meaningful, you know. What I like to think with our narrative non-fiction books is that it's inspiring children particularly but even the adults who read it to the children mm -hmm. i like to think it inspires them to research more into these things i know my, as as an editor myself i've loved looking into all the stories behind um the narrative non-fiction we've done i think it's very interesting in hearing these stories which may not be known by a lot of people i'm interested to know um both from, from an author's point of view but also from the publisher the sort of challenges to doing non-fiction what, what are the challenges as a writer for Thanks. doing non-fiction <laughs> uh yeah i think you you really want to get it right and mm -hmm. i think that you sometimes feel a bit pressured that you want to make sure you're getting the facts right mm. and so you're checking a lot of sources and you want to be careful not to just go with wikipedia sure, or yeah. you know dodgy sources from the internet you really want to look into books and where you can you want to try and contact the families mm -hmm. um, which is the case with my next book Tell us about that. Um, it's called A Super Sticky Mistake. Mm -hmm. um, and it tells the story of Harry Coover Jr., um, who invented superglue. Right. Um, and I was really fortunate to contact the family, um, Harry's daughter, and I guess Harry's son-in-law. Mm -hmm. And they've been very helpful, um, providing photographs and um, well, family they're, they're stories. they're obviously very proud of their father. Very, yeah. You know, he sounds like he was an amazing guy. He does sound like he does. an amazing guy. And his story needs to be told, doesn't it? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, super glue is something that all of us have used at one point or another. And it's yeah. just something you don't really, really think about. But it's got such an amazing story mm. behind it. And the fact that it sort of was... Uh, found almost by accident I think so. children and parents will love reading that book I really do I really do but but how great that you can get that first hand information yeah I mean it really was fantastic to touch base with the family and email them and um, it, it made the book it made it all that more special I think and mm. personal it gives a bit more of a personal touch to the book it yeah. does make it harder though because you are trying to obviously you want them to have a book that they're proud of because obviously they're proud of their um their father and so you've got to create something which reflects that which they're happy with so that does make it trickier from an editorial point of view well so yeah certainly i guess if you're creating a, a narrative then you need it to be a strong narrative then you need to have yeah, that dramatic still, still, kind of still true to the facts yeah yeah it's just obviously you, you want to get it right you want to get mm. it right you do but still in a really interesting way you and don't, you don't, it's not it's not just a um, the non-fiction book is it it's, it's still going to be an interesting yeah it's still a story at the end of the day and is that the main sort of uh, challenge for you as a publisher to get to get it right 
well, yeah, to try and keep it as a story when when there are so many interesting stories within that one story. So it's picking the bits that you think are the strongest and which children would be the most interested in. Because at the end of the day, you've got to remember that it's the children who have got to enjoy it and, and want to read it. And it's only 32 pages. And it's only 32 pages. And, and not, all, not and every one of those pages. <laughs> yeah, not many of those pages. Not all of those pages actually have just text on them. Yeah. So you are kind of very limited as to what you can fit in. Going back slightly, is this an area which Maverick and you see developing? Is it oh, something that you're we've seeing? Got, we've got about three or four more in is, the pipeline. Well, Don't it, worry, but it, you know. Across, <laughs> talking a bit wider... Get your orders it, in now! <laughs> taking it slightly wider, is it something that you're seeing across the industry a bit more? Definitely. I think definitely, yeah. Yes. Non-fiction has had a huge surge. Um, I think it is very much um, an up-and-coming market. I think a lot of children and parents are happier in some ways with fact-based things so that they know that obviously the kids are learning something by reading the books mm. as well as enjoying them. Kim, enjoying could the story. you recall, because we, we put a call out to all our authors and I think general submissions for narrative non-fiction and we did have a big response. Yes. But could you tell the audience some of the problems and why we couldn't go ahead with some of them, whatever, you know, etc.? Well, quite often the the material, the, the stories are just not suitable for uh, the market. Like, we had several which are obviously about animals and world wars and the world wars. And the problem is, is that those animals may not have quite made it through the war so you've kind of got to be a bit sensitive especially as this is a picture book it's not it's not a junior fiction um you want it to be still light um and not not have too many yeah, like some subjects of the stories are a bit heavy aren't they yeah yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. particularly particularly ones which and, focus around and quite a few have wars. been already published so yes uh, yeah i'd say that there's a lot of biography kind of narrative non-fictions that have already been done and mm. it's really tricky to find one that hasn't been done or to find one that with has been done angle. with a new angle yeah, yeah it's really tricky <laughs> is it something that you enjoy? do you enjoy reading non-fiction is that I do. Yeah. I do. I really enjoy it. I, I um, have learned so much researching both of these books. Uh, I'm not sort of, I don't consider myself to be extremely knowledgeable about moon missions with the Apollo missions mm. or with... Um, until now. Until now. <laughs> <laughs> or with chemistry and the invention of, you know, compounds and and things like that with um, super glue. But I've learned so much through both of these books. And I just find that really interesting and trying to pull a fun story out of it while still keeping true to the facts and also passing what you've learned on to the children who read yeah. the books i think that's that's a yeah. really important part of this narrative non-fiction yeah i think it I, I think it really is and and you can really see it on school visits the kids really do enjoy that aspect of it learning something and hearing a fun story fantastic so what's next for you then Alison? what's what projects have you got in the fires well, I've got some ideas cooking. Okay. <laughs> um, I'd like to do some more nonfiction, narrative nonfiction, because I do enjoy it. Mm. But again, it is that challenge of coming up with something a bit original. Sure, yeah. Hasn't yeah. been done. Um, and I think I would also like to write some um, chapter books in middle grade and write for a slightly older audience mm. as well um, and carry on doing picture books as well. So a little bit of everything. And I dabble in doing some of the early readers for Maverick as well, and I really enjoy those. Um, so yeah, just kind of keeping my finger in a yeah. lot of 
pies now. Just keep writing. <laughs> yeah, keep writing, yeah. basically. So that's the advice you've got to give to all aspiring writers, is if you want to be an author, you've got to write. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And you've got to write a, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> all the time, really, haven't you? And you've got to love it. And you've got to love it, yeah. yeah. True. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much to all of you for being here for episode five of Publishing Inside Out. We'll be back again next week with it, another episode. It's been a pleasure to hear, you know. Thank you. Yes, and thank you, Thank you. Thank you for listening to Publishing Inside Out. If you want to learn more about Maverick, visit their website, which is maverickartspublishing.com, or you can follow them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Maverick Books. Thank you for listening and we'll see you again next time. Mm-hmm.